those of you who do not know our speaker tonight, it is Brother Mel Futrell, who comes to us tonight from uh, Shades Mountain, up near Birmingham, where he's been for 21 years preaching the gospel. He's been preaching, though, for more like 37 years uh, total in his life, and uh, he has honed uh, his, his skill at presenting the gospel. We've enjoyed now, I think, four lessons so far, and we look forward to another one tonight. So let's all delve together into God's Word with Brother Melchior. Thank you, Brother Conrad. Uh, won't you turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, and momentarily we will begin right there, Acts chapter 2. Brother Brian, thank you for leading our singing tonight. I appreciate Brian's honesty, uh, admitting that there's a one missing on two of our song numbers. Uh, I, I like that. We've had a, a number of uh, letters and numbers missing on our sign by the road uh, at 959 Alfred Avenue where uh, we work and where we worship, uh, where I preach, where we live, and uh, we just ordered some more finally, Brian, to, to uh, help us out. So. I appreciate that. Great job. Appreciate that very much. Brother Fentner, thank you so much for the prayer. We are all able to say amen to. And I look out over our assembly tonight, and I'm overjoyed by the number that are gathered here. Uh, hanging in our bathroom at our home is a little wooden plaque that's been there for probably uh, as long as we've been there. And it says simply this, these do I love, old things and old places Remembered times, familiar faces. These do I love. A second and final time. These do I love. Old things and old places. Remembered times, familiar faces. And that is what I think of when I look out over our assembly. Uh, any number of people that Shane and I have known for many, many years. And we are delighted that you're here. Excited that you're here. Along with the good brethren that constitute the Panama Street Congregation, and Shane and I are honored to be with you. I'm honored to be doing the preaching of the Word. I'm honored that you're doing the hearing of the Word. And as I've said repeatedly, when those two come together, we have an acceptable act of worship uh, to God. And so what a privilege, what a delight to be with you. Our theme is before you tonight, my brethren and my friends, the every member concept of evangelism. Here we go now. The every member concept of evangelism. Brethren, in a world of 7 billion people, it seems to me that the every member concept of evangelism still matters, Brother Tim. In a world of actually 7.3 billion people on the planet. In a world of 8 billion people by 2025. You know what? The every member concept of evangelism will still be valid. In a world of 9 billion people estimated by 2045, you see it before you, my brethren and my friends. Again, what I've been saying, let me say it again. The every member concept of evangelism, certainly, Brother Brad, certainly it will still matter. It will still be valid. It will still be the way that we ought to go, the way of God himself. Won't you note down in the far left corner, in 1800, in that year, 
Alexander Campbell was 12 years old. In September of 1800, Alexander Campbell would have turned 12 years of age, Brother Frank, having been born in 1788. He was not yet in America, but in 1800, in the United States of America, there were approximately one billion souls. In 1960, the year of my birth, there were three billion people on the planet. And here we are, here we are tonight, here we are tonight, 2019, and there are seven plus billion people on the planet. And let me say it for a fourth time, but I assure you not the final time. The every member concept of evangelism, it mattered in 1800. It mattered in 1960. It matters now. It'll matter in 2025. It will matter, Brother Jesse, in 2045. It mattered in AD 33. It matters it mattered, and it will always matter, my brethren and my friends. In light of that, I'd like for us to talk about and think about and dwell on and engage in the Word of God, the every member concept of evangelism. One of the secrets, if I may use that word, one of the secrets of the phenomenal growth of the Jerusalem church was that more Christians, follow me now, more Christians taught more people more often and the result of all that was more converts. I want to say that again. I want to embed that into the very fabric of your memory. One of the secrets of the phenomenal growth, Brother Shelton, of the Jerusalem church was that more Christians taught more people more often, and the result was more converts indeed. And don't take my word for it. Please don't. With open minds and open Bibles, consider evidence of that just a little bit. A sampling of the evidence for what I have just put before you. Acts chapter 2 and verse 41 says, In your Bible and in mine, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. You got that now? About 3,000 souls. Acts 4 and verse 4. How be it, many of them which believed were, were about 5,000 souls. Are you there? Acts chapter 4 and verse 4 in your Bible and in mine, my brethren and my friends. Acts 4 and verse 4. How be it, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. That is, hear me out, that is the last explicit, specific number regarding growth that you will find in the book of Acts. Howbeit, many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Acts chapter 5 and verse 14, and believers were the more added unto the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. Acts chapter 6 and verse 7, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Acts 9 and verse 31, 
Then had the churches peace throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, watch it now, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit were multiplied. I was uh, taught by the late brother Avon Malone uh, as a student at Harding College in the late 1970s. Brother Malone said there is here a thumbnail sketch of growth. Right here in this one little verse, there's a formula for church growth right here. And I don't believe that Brother Avon originated that idea, but I heard it from him. Here it is now. Listen to the verse one more time. Watch it now. Then had the churches peace throughout all Judea. I'm quoting from the old King James. Then had the churches peace throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, were multiplied. Brother Malone, Avon Malone, said, peace plus edification equals multiplication. Peace, harmony in the body of Christ, plus edification, from that Greek word oikodomeo, literally to build a house, used figuratively in Scripture of the building up of the body of Christ. Peace, Harmony plus edification, the building up, Brother Raymond, of the church, of the local church, equals, amounts to, the sum is what? Multiplication. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And then, Brother Frank, Acts chapter 16 and verse 5. And so the churches were established, or strengthened, your translation may say, in the faith, and increased in number daily, Acts chapter 16 and verse 5. And that is but a sampling, a sampling of the evidence in the book of Acts alone for the proposition that I put before you. I want to say it for a third and probably a final time. One of the secrets of the phenomenal growth of the Jerusalem church, of the first century church for that matter, was that more Christians taught more people more often, and the result was more converts. Brethren and friends, I am convinced that we can do essentially the same thing that they did then. And I'm not saying duplicating the numbers of 3,000 on the day of Pentecost or the 5,000, Brother Tim, of Acts chapter 4 and verse 4. But I believe that the general view presented right here in the sampling of verses represents something that we really and actually can do today, the every member concept of evangelism. So what is that? In the time that we have remaining, with open minds and open Bibles, won't you consider the Word of God, point number one tonight, the every member concept of evangelism involves every Christian. Every Christian evangelizes. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. In verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 3, here's what Paul had to say. Hope you're there in your Bibles to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church. Here we are now. The manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 3, 10 and 11. Note verse 10. Note what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus to the intent 
that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be made known by the church what my brethren and my friends the manifold wisdom of God the church has the duty I'm telling you what you already know we have the duty to make known the manifold wisdom of God every Christian is the first link in the every member concept Conrad of evangelism. Every Christian evangelizes in one way or another, to one degree or another. And you'll know what your duty is. You'll know what your job is. You'll do that job. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, there the Apostle Paul, the older preacher to Timothy, the younger preacher, Brother Jeremy, here's what he had to say in the long ago. And we got multiple Jeremy's here tonight, don't we? Uh, got Brother Jeremy uh, from Grandview Pines with us. Jeremy, good to see your sweet family. Brother Jeremy Day, uh, as I've noted earlier, Brother Jeremy's uh, dad and mom, David and Diana Day, are faithful members with us at Shades Mountain. He serves as one of our four elders at Shades Mountain and delighted to have Jeremy and Beth and their three children with us tonight. And then, of course, Brother Jeremy Alford, who's a regular member here. And we live on Alford Avenue. How can you beat that? And that has nothing to do with the ever member uh, concept of evangelism. But I wanted to say it anyway. Appreciate you gentlemen. Indeed, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, here's what Paul, older preacher, said to Timothy, the younger preacher, here, mind you now, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou, watch it now, to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I like to call that the domino effect of evangelism because I teach you and you teach another and they teach another and another and another and another and it goes on and on and on and on just like knocking down one domino after another in the chain of dominoes and in doing so we are doing our job. The every member concept of evangelism first and foremost involves our what? Our position. Every Christian evangelizing. What are you doing now? I'm not asking for your audible response. You knew that already. Turn that over in your mind. Roll that over in your mind. What are you doing right now? I'm afraid that at times, my brethren, and you've heard this before, I'm afraid that at times we get the idea that unless our evangelistic program is big and broad, that it really has no appeal or no substance or that it won't bear any fruit. And Brad, I just don't believe that. I believe that the majority, and I know, as you do, that the majority of our Christian lives are lived, ladies and gentlemen, sisters and brothers, the majority of our Christian lives are lived outside, Brother Aubrey, outside the confines of this building. And every other church building, Brother Arnold, that our brethren occupy, the majority of our Christian lives do not occur right here. And so that little religious talk over there at work and that Bible discussion at the so-called water cooler over yonder and that letter to the unfaithful person over here and whatever it might be, that conversation beginning in the Gospel of John and going into the book of Acts, the life of Christ into the introduction and beginning of the church and the growth of the church, all of that at your coffee table, 
all those little talks and little conversations. Brethren and friends, that is evangelism, and I would never denigrate that at all. I would never make light of that at all. And not one preacher in our assembly tonight would do that, because we believe in the every member concept of evangelism. And we believe just that, Brother Tommy, every member, every member, every Christian has that duty. May I remind you that the church is composed of the saved. Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 says, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those being saved. The church is the saved, and the saved are the church. And so, if the church is the saved, and the saved are the church, and the church is to make known the manifold wisdom of God, Brother Frank, Ephesians 3, 10, and 11, then the saved are to do that. And the saved are Christians, Christianos. They are those, we are those who truly belong to Christ. And so every New Testament Christian here tonight has that duty. You assess your life. Paul said, Brother Selton, 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove, test your own selves. Examine yourself tonight. Put yourself to the test tonight. And having done that, make sure that you are a part of the every Christian evangelizing. What other young person might you talk to young people that you socialize with, that you are involved in athletics with, sports with, or in school with, whatever the case might be? With whom do you work? With whom do you hunt? With whom do you play ball? We all have a circle of friends and acquaintances. Reach out to them. I am sold on true biblical friendship evangelism, my brethren and my friends. In Mark chapter 5, Brother Arnold and Brother Raymond have heard me say this at Georgia Road. Mark 5 and verse 19, in Mark 5, our Lord exercises the demons from the man known there as legion. And Brother Cecil, as you know, they're cast into the swine. After those demons were exercised out of that man, that man wanted to join Raymond. He wanted to join our Lord in his travels. What did our Lord say to him in Mark 5 and verse 19? He said, go home to thy friends and tell them what great things the Lord hath done for thee. Go home to thy friends and tell them what great things the Lord hath done for thee. Mark 5, 19. Circle that. Underline that. Highlight that. Mark that in your Bible in some way. That may not be a verse that we normally connect with evangelism, but Brother Jeff, I believe it is. And my first field of evangelism is my own family. And then my friends, my circle of friends. Those are the people to whom we reach out to at every opportunity because the first link in the chain of evangelism is every Christian evangelizes. Point number two tonight, my brethren and my friends, every person is evangelized. Every person is evangelized. Is that not what we believe the Great Commission is all about, Brother James? Matthew's record goes like this in Matthew 28, 18 and following. 
And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All, the King James says, All power, the Greek is exousia, all authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. Mark's account. We all know that, ladies and gentlemen. Mark 16, 15 and 16. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned indeed. Luke's account is less familiar. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 and 47. Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance for the remission of sins should preach in His name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem, Luke 24, 46 and 47. Combined with Mark 16, 15 and 16. Combined with Matthew 28, 18, 19 and 20. Now from time to time, it's rare, but from time to time, Brother Frank, someone will say to me, but Brother Mel, that was spoken to the apostles. Well, indeed it was. But you know what I'm about to say. We believe the Bible authorizes by implication, by direct statement, by approved example, and by implication. And implication lets me know that there's an application to me. It was spoken directly to the apostles of our Lord. But because the Bible authorizes by implication a second and final time, there is an application of that to me. And thus we believe in, fully believe in, the Great Commission. Indeed, we believe in every one of those verses. Now in Colossians chapter 1 verse 23. Colossians 1 verse 23. Here's what Paul wrote in the long ago. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached unto every creature, here we are now, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, Colossians 1.23. Paul tells us there, Brother Tim, Paul tells us there, Brother Tim, that he and his preaching companions took the gospel to the known world. And again, I believe that we are doing that and can continue to do that throughout our days. My late preaching grandfather, my late maternal grandfather, who was the preacher Frank Gould, F.W. Gould, used to say, he would tell this to me, and I'm, I have no doubt many others, that we must serve our generation. He said, Mel, you've got to serve your generation. I was born in 1960. My father, who is 83, will be 84 later this year, a faithful Christian. He was born in 1935. His father was born in 1910. But my other grandfather, whom I'm talking about, my maternal grandfather, he was born in 1907 and preached the gospel for 62 years until his death in 1994 when I conducted his funeral in Pocahontas, Arkansas. I mention that because he was right. He was right and it was right in 1907, and in 1910, and 1935, and 1960, and Brother Raymond, it's right today. We must serve our generation. What are we doing? Every Christian evangelizes, and every person is 
evangelized. Point number three, my dear brethren and friends, every day we're talking about the every member concept of evangelism. Every Christian evangelizes, every person is evangelized, and point number three of five points tonight, my brethren and my friends, every day evangelism takes place. Brother Khan, every day evangelism takes place. Go with me, a, a short point here, Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. Acts chapter 5, the book of Acts, the book of church history, chapter 5, verse 42. Verse 42 is the final verse of chapter 5. And there, Brother Fittner, as you well know, here's what Luke recorded. And daily in the temple, and from house to house, they cease not teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That is not from the King James Version. In fact, that's really my own translation that I think is a bit more literal. Listen to it one more time. We're at Acts chapter 5 and verse 42. And daily, brethren, that's every day. Every day, that's our point. And daily, every day in the temple, that's publicly. And from house to house, brother Arnold, that is privately. They, the apostles, cease not teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. That is our duty. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that every day, every Christian is evangelizing. But, back to point number three, every Christian, or rather point number one, if every Christian is evangelizing, then every day, mind you, Brother Larry, then every day some of those Christians will be evangelizing. Again, let me say it one more time. I'm not saying that every day every Christian is evangelizing, but if every Christian is evangelizing, then every day, Brother Tommy, some of those Christians will be evangelizing. And therefore, the work gets done. There's never a gap. There's never a break in the, the link of evangelistic activity. You are doing your part. I'm doing my part. We're doing our part. The Panama Street congregation is doing their part. The Shades Mountain congregation is doing their part. Georgia Road is doing their part. The University congregation is doing their part. Every congregation, Lightwood, I believe, is represented here tonight. They're doing their part. We're all doing our part. Every Christian, every person, every day. Point number four, dear brethren, everywhere everywhere. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. While you're turning there, I'll tell you, I debated should I wear my jacket tonight or not. And I'm about to melt down up here. No, uh, just, I'm just about to melt down. I've, I've worn it this long, I'm going to keep it on. But after the services, I'm going to hand this to my wife or uh, put it on a hook or I may even throw it in the floor. I'm, I'm simply about to melt down up here. Uh, I'm going to reach for some Kleenex here before, uh, before I sweat it all up. We're not supposed to use the word sweat anymore, I don't believe, but I, I still like to use that word. It's real. I'm not perspiring up here, brother, and I'm sweating up here. <laughs> oh, my. We are at Acts chapter 8. We're with point number 4 of uh, five points tonight under the title of the Every member concept of evangelism. And we're emphasizing, and I know you get it, we're emphasizing just that. Not the every elder only concept of evangelism, 
not the every deacon only concept of evangelism, not the every preacher only concept of evangelism, not the every Bible class teacher only concept of evangelism, but Brother Robert, we're emphasizing the every member concept of evangelism. And that applies to you and to me. And it hits us all square in the face because I've got a duty. It won't be identical to yours. And I would be wrong to try to force my estimation of what you ought to be doing on you. I'm happy for you to do what you can do, when you can do it, in the matter of evangelism. And as a Christian, and as a gospel preacher, I would encourage more and more and more. But I don't believe that our duties will be identical in this matter. Not at all. But we all do have a duty. And you need to own yours. I must own mine. We must own ours. And then we must do it. Oh, uh, what's the little uh, one line of a little poem from long ago from uh, Longfellow's uh, long poem? I can't think of the name of the poem, but one line says, Do thy duty. From uh, the poet Longfellow. Do thy duty. That is best. Leave unto the Lord the rest. You can Google that and get the uh, exact, maybe Longfellow's longest poem. Do thy duty, that is best. Leave unto the Lord the rest. The problem, brethren, is we don't always, Brother Jeremy, do our duty. The Lord always does His duty. I, I can't help God in his part. Paul said, I planted, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God giveth the increase. I can't help God in his part, but he helps me in my part. He's given me his infallible, inspired, inerrant word, and he's given me the avenue of prayer, and he's given me the fellowship of Christians indeed. That's what God has done for me. He helps me, but I can't help him in his part. And so let us do our duty. Every Christian evangelizes. We're coming right to number four, mind you. Every person is evangelized. Every day evangelism takes place. And now back to number four. Everywhere we are, everywhere we go, evangelism occurs, Brother Tommy. Evangelism occurs. Acts chapter 8 beginning in verse 1, maybe down about a, a half a sentence or so in verse 1. Here's what Luke had to say. And at that time, are you there with me? Acts 8, about the middle part of verse 1. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Watch it now. Watch it now. Drop your eyes down to verse 3. As for Saul... He made havoc of the church, entering into every house. The King James says, inhaling, that Greek word means to drag out. You think about that now. Dragging out men and women, committed them to prison. Now verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere. There's our word. Went everywhere preaching the word. What was going on? Well, Brother Mel, there was a persecution. Well, there was. In fact, it was a great persecution, and it was against the church which was at Jerusalem. What was the effect of that great persecution against that body of believers? They were scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Imagine, now 
follow me now, imagine being a Jewish Christian. Imagine being a Jewish Christian, and because of persecution, Brother Jeremy offered, being driven out of your home, out of your city, we would say out of your county, and driven into Samaria. That would have been a nightmare for Jews. What was it that our Lord said in, what is it, John uh, uh, chapter 4 and verse 9, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? I believe that's the right reference, John 4 and 9. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? Indeed. Imagine that. Try to put yourself in the place of our brethren from 2,000 years ago. You didn't request a move somewhere else. Your job didn't offer you a transfer. You didn't move to take care of an aged mother or dad or grandparent or to move where a child was living or going to school. You were persecuted out of your home. You were dragged out. Dragged out. As for Saul, one more time, verse 2, or verse 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and dragging out men and women committed into prison. I have never, brethren, experienced anything like that, and I don't suppose that I will. But those brethren, Brother Larry, those brethren went everywhere preaching the word. I don't mind telling you, my brethren, that puts me to shame. That puts me to shame. And, and I almost want to tear up over that. That puts me to shame. I stand before you a 59-year-old Christian man, a Christian gospel preacher, a Christian husband, a Christian father, and a Christian grandfather. And in my 59 years, I have lived in Pocahontas, Arkansas, and I have lived in Searcy, Arkansas, born in Pocahontas, went to college in Searcy, Arkansas. I have lived in Dalton, Arkansas. I have lived in McDougal, Arkansas. I have lived in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. I have lived in Fairhope, Alabama, Daphne, Alabama, lived in Columbia, South Carolina, and for the last 21 years, Birmingham, Alabama. And in some of those places, a number of them, I lived in multiple dwellings. And many of you have moved more than I have. But listen to me now. Hear me out now. I came and went, Tim, to every one of those places. I came of my own accord and I left of my own accord. No one drove me out. No one persecuted me out. I was never dragged out of my house. I have no excuse for not taking the word of God with me everywhere I go. Look at verse 4 again. Circle it, underline it, highlight it, mark it in your Bible. Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. I simply have no excuse for doing any less than my brethren, Brother Jeremy Day, than any less than my brethren did 2,000 years ago. I have no excuse whatsoever. Tonight when we wrap up our services, we'll visit among ourselves in the cool of the evening. We've had warm days and cooler nights. It's quite pleasant in April and the spring of the year. And then we'll go to our separate places of abode, as we say. Shane and I have about an hour and 15 or 20 minute drive. Last night it was an hour and 45 minutes home. We got behind uh, uh, a solid mile of these big trucks hauling uh, huge girders, I suppose for some type of road construction. 
And so they had both sides of the road blocked, and we followed them for 45 miles. I was behind a police officer with those strobe lights going. It was midnight last night before I lost those blue eyes or those blue lights in my sleep. That's all I could see. Oh, my. I had to drink a milkshake to help it go away. <laughs> A chocolate milkshake, and it tasted great. Now, I felt better, but I still had those blue uh, strobe lights in my eyes. I'm praying already that I, I just have a clear road home, uh, and uh, so, but I'll go of my own accord, and I'll come back tomorrow night, and Thursday night, God willing, of my own accord. Indeed. You let that sink in. And it's seven minutes before the hour. Let's go to our fifth and final point tonight. By every means. The every member concept of evangelism. The every member concept of evangelism. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, dear brethren and friends. In verse 19 of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the Apostle Paul said, and I quote, For though I be free of all men... Yet have I made myself servant in it all, that I might gain the more. To the Jew became I as a Jew, that I might gain the Jew. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, that I might, not be without law to God, but under the law to Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. Here we are now, watch it now. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Did you get that? I am made all things. Get all the alls there. I am made all things to all men, that I might by all means, there's our word, by every means, by all means save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake. Paul says that I may be a partaker thereof with you. I am humbled in the sight of that verse. By every means. I mentioned my, uh, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, my late preaching grandfather, Frank Gould, again born in 1907, began preaching in the late 1920s and preached for 62 years until the time of his death. He lived to be 86 years of age. My grandfather was born and raised and began preaching, Jeremy, in that age when radio, radios were coming into their own, and where radio preaching was becoming the thing. I believe it was uh, this last year, or maybe, no, excuse me, a, a year ago. It was February of 2018 that at the Freed Hardeman Lectures, uh, on Monday of the lectureship week, at the Friends of the Restoration Gathering that Shane and I have gone to from its very beginning at Freed Hardeman, that uh, they had a series all day long on radio preaching, gospel preaching via the radio, and some wonderful messages were offered. And my grandfather was mentioned by one of the speakers because the speaker had been a young man who came to uh, the uh, Clement Street Congregation in Paducah, Kentucky, where my grandfather was preaching. And my grandfather was away all summer preaching meetings that was common in that day and age. And this young man 
filled the pulpit and stayed in my pa and nanny's home. And I, I, I knew that men had done that, but I didn't know what men had done that. And so I met this gentleman afterwards. He's my dad's age, in his 80s. And it was a delightful conversation. And he talked about my grandfather's radio work. He had two radio programs every day. And how when my grandfather was gone for the summer, preaching the word in one gospel revival after another, that this young man, now a man in his 80s, he conducted those radio programs. They were using the means, all of that, long way around the barn. They were using, Brother Jesse, the means that they had available then. Are we doing that today? We, we've got social media that has exploded in 10 years. The last 10 years, social media has blown up. What means are available to you and me? The every member concept of evangelism. Our final point you've got before you already. By every means. My brethren and my friends, what means are available to you and are you using those means to propagate, to promote, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? The unsearchable riches of Jesus the Christ. And if not, why not? If not, why not? If not, why not? So leave here tonight remembering every Christian must evangelize. Every person must be evangelized. Every day evangelism must take place. Everywhere we go, we will take the gospel and we will evangelize. And, my brethren and friends, we will do so by every means, uh, every legitimate means available to us. Great to be with you. Great to be with you. Wonderful to be with you. We've been excited to be with you at, before we got here and in every service we've had. We've got two more services before our meeting is consumed, before it wraps up. Tomorrow night, I'm going to preach under the title of In His Name. On Wednesday night, In His Name. I do hope you'll come back and join us then. I won't be using the PowerPoint tomorrow night, but I'll be preaching again under the title of In His Name. Please join us. Come together with us as we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, as we reflect upon the message of all messages. And I hope you'll take this message tonight with you and that you'll apply it to yourself and that you will pass it along to others. It doesn't belong exclusively to me. I constructed the message of the hour, but it's yours to use as you will in your efforts in proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps there is one here tonight who has not yet put Jesus on in baptism. Young, middle-aged, or older, whatever the case might be. Remember that the Apostle Paul said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. I hope you'll think about that. And we invite you tonight to come repenting of your sins. We ask you to come willing to make the good, the great, and the bold confession. I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Again, Christ, the Son of the living God. 
the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah. I believe that Jesus is the Christos, the anointed one, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. And having done that, our brother Frank, brother Frank, who has labored with you here for 23 years and been preaching the gospel. Frank, how long have you been preaching the gospel? 55 years. Brother Frank would be overjoyed and honored to baptize you, to immerse you with his own hands. You'll be raised to walk in newness of life, and you can take your place and your part with the brethren at Panama Street or another faithful congregation of the Lord, and you can work and worship with them until you die or until the Lord returns, whichever comes first. If that appeals to you, please let us know right now as together we stand and as we sing. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, set them from pity from sin and the grave. We pour the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus Almighty to save. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Though they are sliding him, still he is waiting, waiting the penitent child to receive. Plead with him earnestly, plead with him gently, he will forgive if they only believe. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings like very that grace can restore. Touched by a loving heart, wakened by kindness, cords that are broken will vibrate once more. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Rescue the perishing, duty demands it. Strength for thy labor the Lord will provide. Back to the narrow way, patiently win them. Tell the poor wanderer, Savior has died. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful, Jesus will save. Please remain standing for the final song and our closing prayer. Mel, we certainly thank you so much for your lesson tonight. Uh, I know there was so much to take in, and uh, it certainly is a lost and dying world, and we have our work cut out for us, but what a better way to spend our time than preaching the Lord's Word. Let's all turn now to number... 194, number 194, we'll sing the first and last verse and be led in prayer. Again, tomorrow evening, uh, everything's the same time tomorrow evening, correct, Frank? We'll eat the next two nights at 5 p.m.
Okay. Oh, okay. Five thirty. Yeah. Our okay. Itself. All right. Number one ninety four. We'll sing the first and last verse. Be led in prayer. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore to our bountiful Father above. We will offer the tribute of praise for the glorious gift of his love and the blessings that hallow our days in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore.